Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links, and see where it takes us. John, what do you have? Maria Fernanda Sesto is an Argentine sports sailor. Hmm. Uh, she has competed at the 2000 through 2012 Summer Olympics, which spans, of course, also 2004 and 2008 uh, Summer Olympic Games as well. Hmm. At the 2000 Summer Olympics, she teamed with Paula Reynoso in the women's 470 class, finishing in 12th place. The same pairing took 12th at the 2004 Olympic Games. Um, so, a uh, Olympic-level um, Argentine sports sailor. Okay. But uh, what do you you have something got a few more things going on than that or uh, that's, that's all, I have one <laughs> sentence I have one sentence left because I don't want to like just in case we come back to this I don't want <laughs> to have like nothing left for me to say so I just got one in the one in the chamber here. All right, well I have Liverpool Garston by election 1957. Liverpool what now? <laughs> It is a thing that was held after the resignation of Conservative Party MP Sir Victor Rakes. Hmm. The seat was safe for the Conservatives, having been won at the United Kingdom general election in 1955 by nearly 12,000 votes. Still not entirely sure what it is. Some kind of election involving some seat that was left empty by a resignation. How about... Let's go to that one because somebody had to resign. So there's mm. some juicy plot details in there somewhere. That's true. Finishing in 12th is, you know, exciting and all, but <laughs> spoiler alert, the only other thing I had to say about Maria Fernanda Sesto is that they finished in 16th in 2008, mm. 2012. The story just gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see. Let's see about uh, Liverpool. Yeah. Garston. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Cast okay, on with an spelled. R, yep. yeah. By election. 1957. Yep. All right. Don't know what a Garston is. I don't. Maybe Liverpool Garston is like a place section. Name? I don't know. Of Liverpool. Because I feel like Liverpool is like a notable city. Yeah. In the United Kingdom, so maybe that's like a district name. Could be. Or maybe that's the name of his, of that position. Uh, that could be too. <laughs> Who knows? Not sure. No one. It looks like Garston. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there is a link to Liverpool Garston. There's also by election. If you hover which over I- the Liverpool Garston link, though, I think it tells us what we need to know, which is that it's a UK Parliament constituency. Mm. So, boom, done. That's Garston. Right. It's a constituency, has nothing to do with Gaston, not <laughs> worth looking into any further by virtue of that alone. So. Okay, and then by election is not like by way of election, it is a by election, like, uh, right. you know. In between one. It, yeah. They just kind of right. had to get this election over with because they. Mm-hmm. Had nobody to do the job. Yep. <laughs> so we can look into this Sir Victor Rakes, but it looks like in um, the previous general election in 1955, Sir Victor Rakes had 28,130 votes, and the Labour Party T.E. Nixon, that's his hmm. name. Was, T. Nixon. 
16,161 votes. So Pretty dominated by the conservative party there, mm-hmm. it looks like. And uh, we do have the results of the by-election. Um, it only took almost <laughs> 50 years, but they're 60 years, but they're here now. <laughs> so we got conservative uh, winner Richard Martin Bingham with 15,000. A much closer election this time because the Labor Party's I-11 got I-11. 11. <laughs> he got 11,217 <laughs> votes. Too good. <laughs> and then there's a Liberal Party showed up. Uh, with Arthur Donald Dennis with 4,807 votes. Huh. So he's got a pretty cool name, but he's not I-11, and he's not... Not T-Nixon. Yep. Like, those are some pretty good names. If we were electing people based solely on name, <laughs> it'd be a very different election, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, any case, let's check out Sir Victor Rakes and find out why exactly did he have to resign? here what's uh his 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 jam hmm. it was not death <laughs> just so you know no it wasn't but it may have been that people got tired of saying his full name yeah there is a lot of name there as it happens victor rakes is not his full name his full name is sir henry victor alpin mckinnon rakes KBE. <laughs> because there wasn't enough on there anyway. Yeah. Apparently that's something, KBE. <laughs> so. Yep, lived from January 19th, 1901 to April 18th, 1986. He was the son of Henry St. John Digby Rakes. Because why not throw a bunch of names in the middle of your name? I mean, you can, so who, who's to stop you? Who was. Yeah, I mean. When you have a son, you're like, I don't know what to name him. Just pick five names. Yeah, Who cares? Yeah. I, I think it's the British equivalent of junior, and they just don't want to, mm. like, they don't want to be confused for their royalty, for their <laughs> monarchs. They don't want to accidentally be George V something. You know, that'd be insulting to them. So they, instead, they're like, okay, here's a bunch of very British-sounding middle names. <laughs> because, look, even this dude, this dude's grandfather... Uh, Henry Victor Alpa McKinnon Rakes, his father had the name of Henry St. John Digby Rakes, and that dude's father's name was Henry Cecil Rakes. So they just mm. add another British word in yep. <laughs> to uh, every, every name. Every, yeah. every generation. Mean, I'd hate to see what this guy's son is. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he his mother was Annie Lucinda. Um, that's where his... Her maiden name was McKinnon, which is where his McKinnon comes from. And uh, he was educated at Westminster School in Trinity College, Cambridge. He unsuccessfully contested Lykeston in 1924 and 1925 before being elected for South East Essex in 1931. And during World War II, he served as a flight lieutenant in the Royal Air Force. Then 1945, he was elected as Member of Parliament, MP, for Liverpool Wavertree. And in 1950, 51, and 55, he was elected for Liverpool Garston. And then he left He left office in 1957. That's all it says. Wow. There's literally was... no information about why he left or what happened. That makes it even shadier. We need to find out more. <laughs> I mean... The guy didn't die until 1986, so it wasn't like he was terminally ill. Yeah. He had another good 30 years. He mm-hmm. was still pretty young at that point. Well, middle age, but nonetheless. Maybe he just didn't need to work anymore? I don't... Maybe. I don't it, know. Yeah, there's... A level of mystery in that. I wonder if, like, the full article for Liverpool Garston would shed light on, like, the happenings and stuff. No, they don't. Um, no need to go over to that article. Okay. Let's, well, let's <laughs> not go to that article. Yeah, let's let's set it. Okay. Good. Um. Yeah. Let's uh let's see if non Wikipedia has any information on this guy. Victor Rakes. Yeah. Victor Rakes resignation letter. Let's look at that. Oh, that could help. Oh wow! 
Well, this is interesting. There's actually a thing called the Dickens Dossier, which was compiled in part by Sir Victor Reeks, which was a um, large document containing, from what I understand here, large numbers of named pedophiles huh. in the United Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. Um, the document was understood to have been given to Home Secretary Lee in Britain in 1984 while uh, Victor Riggs was still alive. Um, however, there is... Um, this article is from 2015, so the police are kind of at a little bit of a standstill because they don't hmm. have the people who compiled the document. Both he, both Victor Rakes, obviously, is dead as of 1986, as we said before, but the other guy who helped him compile it, Anthony Courtney, also has passed on, so hmm. there are um, very few police uh, connections they have to the registration, unfortunately. There's, yeah, I'm not really sure what is uh, the holdup with this. It seems there's this guy by the name of Lord Britain, who I mentioned before, Secretary Leon Britain, who may be interesting to look into, because it seems like other people since that time have also given things to Lord Britain. Hmm. It's really interesting that in Great Britain there's somebody with the last name Britain who also happens to be a lord. Isn't that, isn't that a little like on the nose to, yeah. to be Lord Britain in the United Kingdom? <laughs> I think I feel I feel like that's almost too good. Yeah. Like there's something about that family. There's something about them. It just seems yeah, a little too ruling. Must have started the. Uh... They started the trend. Yeah. They are the original Britons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't find any John Americas yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Only your captains. <laughs> but no, that's a that's all I can really find about hmm. uh, anything else that he has done. I guess they just haven't kept any records about that. Yeah, I don't know what his, uh, his reason for resignation. Right. Okay, hang on. Um, maybe it's a family trait because I do find somebody else completely unrelated. Um, in uh, Marseille, uh, I guess this is in France. The Marseille City Council election took place on April seventeenth of two thousand and seven. Um, and once people took office in May. Uh, Victor, who won the election by the a guy by the name of Rocky Rakes, took office and then immediately resigned four days later. <laughs> so uh, maybe this is just something they do. I don't. I can't really tell you. Even my Man. external Wikipedia investigation has rendered nothing. That's such a fascinating story to like be elected into an office position. And then resign four days after. Oh, hang on. Maybe I have found something. I don't know what the context of this is. <laughs> but um, in chapter nine of a book called Guilty Men by Cato, there is a chapter called Umbrella Debate, chapter nine, in which the first couple of paragraphs state for the first two days of the next week parliament discussed the decision reached by the premier at munich throughout this debate the mood of hysterical approbation was prolonged mps vied with each other in their exertions to lick the hand of the premier or even touch the hem of his garment in debate mr victor rakes eh? hmm. the tory member of se Essex, Southeast Essex, where mm -hmm. we recently established he was first elected, mm -hmm. gave expression to the sentiment of at least five out of six MPs of all parties at that moment when he exclaimed, 
There should be full appreciation of the fact that our leader will go down in history as the greatest European statesman of this or any other time. And let me see if that is something. But that's all the the word resignation does not tie to him here. That's just something he said. Hmm. He just wanted to wanted to really like puff that guy up and be like, hey, this guy's great. That's, that's what he's that's all he is on record for saying. Ever. <laughs> Okay. I feel well, like uh, the Britons don't particularly want to uh, keep records of their politicians as well as they keep the United States really... people do. <laughs> well, yeah, and I feel like we have on record like everything everybody says. Actually, Britain has everything everybody says on record. They're the ones mm-hmm. that have the global spying program. We just kind of uh, got lumped into it. They, they they have more information on everybody and for longer. <laughs> so maybe they just have this information under lock and key. I mean, maybe. I guess it's just not out and about. Something so scandalous that nobody can know about it. He wanted to resign because he was going bald. <laughs> that, was, that was the real reason. And it was too embarrassing to say publicly. But, <laughs> you know, politician, politician without his hair, man... Hmm. You ever seen a bald president? Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> Actually, you don't don't look at Eisenhower. Don't worry about Eisenhower. Just don't think about him. He wasn't even. It's like he wasn't even there. <laughs> he wore a hat most of the time. He was, wasn't bald. Grew a hat in his head. Oh yeah, it's fine. It's normal. Had normal normal politician <laughs> hair. Don't even worry. All right. Well, where should we go? I find it interesting that. Victor Rakes' father doesn't have an article, but his grandfather does? Yes. Like, he must <laughs> have some... I, I guess he's significant, but his dad isn't? Skips yeah, a generation? I, <laughs> I kind of don't know what to do now. I, I was expecting a scandal. Now I've yeah. been... Kind of coming up short there. Yeah, a little bit. Well... What else can we do? We can. Um. Okay. Well, we got. Um. We can go to specific election years. We could. Or we could go to member of parliament. Or the Royal Air Force. Or World War Two. <laughs> but we were there recently, so I don't know. If that's really something that's we um, what about Westminster School? That's true. Could do that. Um, yeah, the rest is just kind of constituencies. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, let's go to Westminster School. All right. Why not? Well, it's a longer article. That is for sure. Oh, wow. I, th- I mean, <laughs> okay, all right enough. <laughs> okay, I think, okay, I think I've heard. Oh God, well we, be- we better get started. This may <laughs> take some time to cover thoroughly. Ooh, okay. Well, one thing that's cool is that this school is a private school within the precincts of Westminster Abbey. Oh, cool. All right, so we know kind of what's going on here already. Yeah, I feel like most people have heard of Westminster Abbey. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty prestigious, to say the least. It's been been there a while. Um, It has the highest Oxford and Cambridge University acceptance rates of any secondary school or college in the world. Wow. And with origins before the 12th century, the educational tradition of Westminster probably dates back as far as A.D. 960 in line with the Abbey's history. The school's alumni include Ben Johnson, John Dryden, Robert Hooke, Sir Christopher Wren, Louis Thoreau, John Locke, Jeremy Bentham, Edward Gibbon, Henry Mayhew, A.A. A. Milne, uh, Peter Ustinov, Tony Ben and seven prime ministers. All of I mean, which are people we would know <laughs> if we were British. Yep. 
boys <laughs> are uh, admitted to the under school at age seven and to the senior school at age 13. Girls are admitted at age 16. Hmm. School has around 750 pupils at any given time. Around a quarter of them live on the campus, but even so, most of them go home on the weekends after Saturday morning at school. Ooh, wow. Saturday morning school. Mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's <laughs> when you have a prestigious school, you might want to show up on Saturday. That's and maybe true. it's good enough. Yeah. I don't know. It is one of the original nine British public schools as defined by the Public Schools Act of 1868. However, they do charge up to seven point, uh, or rather, almost eight thousand pounds, which is what? Uh, like five thousand dollars now? Something like that. Um, they charge up to eight thousand pounds per term for uh, day pupils, and uh, if you want to board there, you have Ooh. to pay twelve thousand pounds. It is the opposite way. Nine thousand five hundred dollars. Oh well, it's only barely the opposite way. That used to be like fourteen grand. Mm. Easy. Yeah. That's that's not that bad. <laughs> Like for a school yeah, that's guaranteeing you entry into Oxford, okay. <laughs> uh, Westminster is the 13th most expensive HMC day school and 10th most expensive HMC boarding school in the United Kingdom. So, for your for for your money, you get not the most expensive school, mm-hmm. and you still have the most effective school. Yeah. <laughs> by rates of accomplishment, so. By all rights, they have every reason to charge. More the than most money yeah. out of any school. <laughs> like statistically, because they, they, they could be like, "Listen, you want your kid to go to Oxford or Cambridge? You come to us." Yeah, and they're like, "All right, guess we got to pay it because have we point. have a lot of money and <laughs> we need to send our kid to the best school." But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good deal, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's not cheap, but it, by no stretch of the imagination is it unattainable. I mean, you'll still a lot of people would still go into debt doing that, but mm-hmm. they could do so in good faith that their oh yeah uh, kid would be able to go to a really good school and get a really good job and mm-hmm. get themselves out of it. Um, so yeah, that's not a, not a terrible option. Yeah. And let's see. It says that kids have been educated at Westminster since 1179. Wow. It's a bit of a time. Yeah, but it's one thousandth anniversary is coming up. <laughs> It also says the educational tradition goes back to 960. So I'm wondering if maybe they just changed the ages that they teach there or something. Yeah, maybe they converted it from a college to like a high school. Yeah. But uh, if the Croyland Chronicle is to be believed, since before the Norman Conquest is when kids have started being educated there, with parts of the buildings now used by the school dating back to the 11th century Anglo-Saxon Abbey at Westminster. And in 1540, Henry VIII ordered the dissolution of the monasteries in England, including that of the powerful abbots of Westminster, but personally ensured the school's survival by his royal charter. The Royal College of St. Peter carried on with 40 King's Scholars financed from the Royal Purse. By this point, Westminster School had certainly become a public school, which is a school available to members of the public as long as they could pay their own costs, rather than private tuition provided to the nobility. And during Mary I's reign, brief uh, her brief reign, the abbey was reinstated as a Roman Catholic monastery, but the school continued. So, yeah, this is, uh, it's, uh, little hiccups, but... It seems like it's kind of on the fence about the whole denomination thing, yeah. but... I don't really think that seems to affect the school yeah, too it's much. Like, regardless of what happens, they're all like, all right, listen, we still want you to be a school because you're a really good school. Don't worry about <laughs> what's going on over here in the church. Like, that's not like, we'll, we'll get to that later, but separation of church and uh, s- s- school. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so Elizabeth I, not to be confused with the living one, the dead one, <laughs> uh, refounded the school in 1560 with new statutes to select 40 queen scholars from boys who had already attended the school for a year. Hmm. Queen Elizabeth frequently visited her scholars, although she never signed the statutes nor endowed her <laughs> scholarships, and 1560 is now generally taken as the date that the school was more officially founded. Oh. Yeah. Elizabeth I appointed William Camden as headmaster, and he is the only layman known to have held the position until 1937. It was Dr. Busby, himself an old Westminster, uh, who established the reputation of the school for several hundred years, as much by his classical learning as for his ruthless discipline by the birch, immortalized in Pope's Dunclad. You know, British people have really British names. Really like, do. <laughs> Dr. Busby. Like, I can't think of a more British name than Dr. Busby. Like that's yeah. <laughs> it's that's intensely British. You just it's unmistakable. <laughs> it's remarkably unmistakable. For having no defined characteristics, <laughs> they certainly have made it almost unreplicatable yeah. to any other culture. Like you know exactly when this name came from Britain. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's all there is to it. Busby prayed publicly up school for the safety of the crown on the very day of Charles I's execution, and then locked the boys inside to prevent their going to watch the spectacle a few hundred yards away. Regardless of politics, he thrashed royalist and Puritan boys alike without fear or favor. Uh, Busby was... Or Busby also took part in Oliver Cromwell's funeral procession in 1658, when Robert Oofdale, a Westminster schoolboy, succeeded in snatching the Majesty Scutcheon, or a white satin banner, that was draped on the coffin. Hmm. It was given to the school by his family 200 years later. Uh, Busby remained in office throughout the Civil War, not not the one you're thinking of, <laughs> and the Commonwealth, when the school was governed by parliamentary commissioners and well into the Restoration period. And in 1679, there was a group of scholars that killed a bailiff, and ostensibly in defense of the Abbey's traditional right of sanctuary, but possibly because the man was trying to arrest a consort of the boys. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Busby obtained a royal pardon for his scholars from Charles II, who I guess replaced Charles I. They killed the first one, but the second one's fine, I guess. And added the cost to the school bills. Wow. The cost of the arrest, I guess? Cost of bail, cost of legal fees, something. Hmm. Um, but until the 19th century, the curriculum was pre- prom- predominantly made up of Latin and Greek and all taught up school, which I really wish we knew what up school meant. I guess maybe up, up taught further up on school. the campus, further. Yeah, there has to be a position on the campus. <laughs> like, I guess. I. That they've never stopped to explain what <laughs> capital up capital school means. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's going to be a trend in a lot of these like articles about British things is that they just throw out a hundred different terms that you've never heard of before. We're using English correctly, aren't we? <laughs> of course we are. We made the language. We can just say English words and it will make sense. Uh, yeah, maybe. But, like, honestly, this is really, this is really bothersome. Like, it's actually really getting in my skin. Like, I don't understand what you mean by up school. I don't know. Like, I can't orient myself to your story because I have no Maybe direction. if this article had started with, like, a layout of the school yeah. and specific labels for different parts and, like, a, a terminology. A blueprint. Like, I don't know. Something. It's annoying. But, yeah. So... The Westminster boys were uncontrolled outside school hours and notoriously unruly about town. 
But the proximity of the school to the Palace of Westminster meant that politicians were well aware of the boys' exploits. After the Public Schools Act of 1868, in response to the Clarendon Commission on the Financial and Other Malpractices at nine preeminent public schools, Hmm. the school began to approach its modern form. It was legally separated from the Abbey, Although the organizations remain close, and the dean of Westminster Abbey is ex officio the chairman of the governors. Hmm. There followed a scandalous public and parliamentary dispute lasting a further 25 years to settle the transfer of the properties from the canons of the abbey to the school. School statutes have been made by order in council of Queen Elizabeth II the Dean of Christ Church, Oxford, and the Master of Trinity College, Cambridge, are ex-officio members of the school's governing body. Hmm. Just kind of goes to show you what's been going on here that, like, for four paragraphs, it was like, oh, it's 1560. Oh, it's 1658. It's 16-something else. It's 1679. It's 1680. And then all of a sudden, Elizabeth II's alive. The one that's still alive is here now. We, we've, we've made it there in that like very small. We, we went from the late 1600s, still talking about Busby, all Man. the way through the 19th century. Like, yeah, a lot of stuff didn't happen in 200 years. Yeah, and then boop, <laughs> here we are. Now we're here. Uh, you, unusually, among public schools, Westminster did not adopt most of the broader changes associated with the Victorian ethos of Thomas Arnold, such as the... Oh, wait, now we're going back? Wait. The Victorian is before Elizabeth. That, <laughs> I know that's right. Anyway, hmm. anyway, the uh, emphasis was on team over individual spirit, and the school retained much of its distinctive character, which is to say that it maintained a very individualistic approach to education. Despite many pressures, including evacuation and the destruction of the school roof during the Blitz, the Hmm. school refused to move out of the city, unlike (laughs) other schools such as Charterhouse and St. Paul's. And it remains in its central London location, near the heart of church and state. Westminster Westminster Underschool was formed in... uh, 1943 in the evacuated school buildings in Westminster as a distinct preparatory school for the day pupils between the ages of 8 to 13 which now goes down to ages 7 to 13 Uh, only the separation is new for example in the 18th century Edward Gibbon attended Westminster from the age of 11 and Jeremy Bentham from the age of 8 the underschool has since moved to Vincent Square overlooking the school's playing fields. Its current master is Mr. Mark O'Donnell. <laughs> Mr. Mark O'Donnell. Like that It's one that Dr. Busby, Mr. Mark O'Donnell. <laughs> do they really need the Mr. on that? Like, of course they do. Of course they do. <laughs> on a name like Mark O'Donnell, it could be an American dude. If you don't slap that, a Mr. on there, that's, that's true. suddenly they, now it's they British. They had to British it up a little bit. They yeah. were like, you know what? Throw something on the beginning. There has to be something else I don't there know to why, make it that, stand apart. It really completes it, doesn't it? It really brings it home. It really ties the British together. Yep. Oh, man. So, in 1967, the first female pupil was admitted to the school, with girls becoming full members of the school from 1973 onwards. In 1981, a single-sex boarding house, Purcells, was created for girls. And in 1997, the school expanded further with the creation of a New Day house, Milneys at 5A Dean's Yard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's an address. I I, I guess, yeah, I guess. I don't know. They didn't really go into that, but um, whatever. And in 2005, the school was one of 50 leading private schools guilty of running a cartel exposed by the Times, which had allowed them to collaborate in uncompetitive fees for thousands of customers. Mrs. Jean Scott, the head of the Independent Schools Council, said that independent schools had always been exempt from anti-cartel rules applied to business 
We're following a long-established procedure in sharing the information with each other, and that they were uh, unaware of the change to the law on which they had not been consulted. She wrote to John Vickers, the OFT Director General, saying, They are not a group of businessmen meeting behind closed doors to fix the price of their products to the disadvantage of the customer. They are schools that have quite openly continued to follow a long-established practice because they are unaware that the law had changed. However, each school agreed to pay a nominal penalty of £10,000 and ex-gradia payments totaling £3 million into a trust designed to benefit pupils who attended the schools during the period in respect of which the free information was shared. So, yeah, they were uh, not necessarily doing some shady stuff, but apparently it's enough to call them a cartel. <laughs> which, you know, that's, that's a high enough uh, <laughs> level of shadiness, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty uh, intense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 2007 came around. The school responded to an invitation to become the sponsor of Pimlico School? Pimlico School, uh, which was due to be rebuilt as an academy, but decided not to go ahead after Westminster City Council developed its plans. In 2013, the school collaborated with the Harris Federation to set up a selective, mixed, sixth form of academy with entrance priority given to those from disadvantaged backgrounds. Harris Westminster Sixth Form opened nearby in 2014, and pupils of the academy share some lessons and facilities of the school. In 2010, the school and the Abbey celebrated the 450th anniversary of the granting of their royal charter and Elizabeth I's refoundation of the school in 1560. So somehow I've managed to say the same line <laughs> twice, uh, even though they're talking about two different things. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II, um, ever eager to celebrate somebody also named after her, uh, with HRH, the Duke of Edinburgh, unveiled a controversial statue in the Little Dean's Yard <laughs> of Her Majesty's namesake, Elizabeth I, the nominal foundress of the school by old Westminster sculptor Matthew Spender. His Royal Highness's comments in immediate reaction to the unveiling are not publicly reported, but are gleefully referenced within the school. The head of the statue came off in May 2016 after a sixth former uh, pupil who was in the 12th year of schooling, that is to say, uh, tried to climb onto the statue. The school has yet to decide on the future of the statue. As of then, or as of... Uh, I guess as of 2016, yeah. So there's just a headless statue there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as of right now, yes. Very interesting. It's, they're keeping it for <laughs> Halloween, then that's how we do it. <laughs> so, back to 2013, the school was criticized for staging an auction involving the selling of internships to fund bursaries. What's going on here? Why do I keep getting the lines about refounding the school and you keep getting all the criminal conspiracy stuff? I came here for criminal conspiracy stuff in the first place and you keep getting it. This is, this is right. Anyway, continue. We're doing a, we're doing a back and forth. It's fine. Yep. I get it. It's just, it's just working out that way. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, but yeah, this uh, resulted in adverse coverage in the press. That's all they had to say about that. The school is located primarily in the precincts of the former medieval monastery of Westminster Abbey. Its main buildings surrounding its private square, Little Dean's Yard, known as Yard. I can't. I mean, yeah, just known like, as Yard. It's a Little Dean's Yard. It's a little Dean's Yard. <laughs> it's the it's the yard of the Little Dean. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know why you would just call it Yard. That's delightful. Yeah, I mean that's what it's officially known as. I guess. There's Dean's Yard, off of which is Little Dean's Yard. Yep. Little Dean's Yard only is known as Yard. Yep. I guess the it other was... one's known as Dean's. I feel like Britons have much more complicated brains. They must. Like, there's, they're there's able to hold so many strange connections and weird, like, 
terminology. Yeah. Because, like, they understand the game of cricket. Like, Which is <laughs> entirely based not on sports mechanics, not on athleticism, <laughs> but on figuring out what the hell is going on. <laughs> like, if you figure out how to play the game, it's like, then all right, play. there you go. Yeah, if you, you figure out how to do it. <laughs> it's, it's true, Every though. game of cricket, fun yeah, fact, right is... Every player just runs onto the field. They try to figure out what, how to play the game, and the first team to figure it out actually wins the game. That's why it takes several days to finish yeah. it. <laughs> they have to go home and do research, and like they do so strategically. Yep. Both teams can't leave the field at the same time. Might disappoint everybody. <laughs> but yes. Um, okay, there's a lot of commas in this sentence. All right, we're gonna have to take it piece by piece here. Okay, so the school. In the precincts of Westminster Abbey, main buildings surround its private square, which is the Little Dean's Yard, which is off of the Dean's Yard, where Church House, which is the headquarters of the Church of England, is situated, along with some of the houses, the common room, and the Humanities Building, Weston's, and College Hall. So there's a lot going on there. I didn't I don't know the headquarters of the Church of England was inside the Dean's Yard inside the school. I don't know. It's strange. But immediately outside Abbey Precincts on Great College Street is Sutcliffe's, named after the tuck shop in the building in the 19th century where geography, art, theology, philosophy, and classics, which are Latin and ancient Greek, are taught. And there's the Robert Hook Science Center, and that's uh, further away, just off Smith Square, as part of an expansion program funded by donations and a legacy from A.A. Milne. The school has acquired the nearby Millicent Fawcett Hall for drama and theater studies, lessons and performances the Manukian Center for Music Lessons both timetabled and private and recitals and the Weston building at Three Dean's Yard it also often uses St. John's Smith Square as a venue for major musical concerts St. John's comma Smith Square Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's St. John's the venue at Smith Square I suppose. But comma does not really infer that. Yeah. Somebody should tell the British. <laughs> they're, they're at it again. They're yep. doing English poorly. <laughs> Just making stuff up. A college garden to the east of Wildeen's Yard is believed to be the oldest garden in England under <laughs> continuous cultivation for around a millennium. Just beyond that rises the Victoria Tower of the Houses of Parliament. The Queen's scholars have special rights of access to the House of Commons. Were those two thoughts related? Why were they the same <laughs> sentence? <laughs> to the north, the dark cloister leads straight to the Abbey, which serves as the school chapel. The playing fields are a half of a mile away at Vincent Square, with Dean Vincent created for the school by hiring a horse and plow to carve 10 acres out of the open Tot Hill fields. What did I just read? <laughs> what did I just say out of my mouth? Let me, can I, can I try that again? I'm going to take this from the top. I'm going to take this paragraph from the top just so that people know where the top is. The playing fields are a half a mile away at Vincent Square which Dean Vincent created for the school by hiring a horse and plow to carve 10 acres out of the open. Nope, Tot Hill Fields is still not a concept <laughs> that is coming to me. I don't, what is a Tot Hill Field? I don't know, but Wikipedia doesn't know either. That's true, it doesn't have no a link. link. We'll never find out. We shouldn't research it. We've just learned that because the British do not put <laughs> things about themselves on the internet that are not already on Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, the boathouse is now some way from the school at Putney, where it is also used for the Oxford and Cambridge boat race. But the school's first eight still returns annually to exercise its traditional right to land at Black Rod Steps of the Palace of Westminster. Hmm. 
So I guess that means that they're they take a boat and they like use it. Yeah. There. I suppose. To make sure that they know that it's not just like a place for colleges to go and do rowing competitions. <laughs> and it's a boathouse. I'm guessing there's boats in it. Yeah. That's where the boats live, right? You the British think. didn't mess that up. Did they? <laughs> um. And in 2011, the school agreed to buy a 999-year lease <laughs> because they have confidence they will probably do another thousand years or so. They've been there too already, so who cares? Uh, for Lawrence Hall from the Royal Horticultural Society, this listed Art Deco building. Oh, listed buildings again. Here we go. Hey. Adjacent to the school's playing fields at Vincent Square has been converted into a sports center. So they've they've rented a hall from a horticulture society and turned it into a sports pavilion for a thousand years? <laughs> They're really confident. I don't How know. How much is a safety deposit on a thousand years? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, All right, well, you have to pay the last month up front. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll get right on that. Um, see I, guess, I guess you can uh, be sure that it will be rent-controlled. The 999-year lease. You better hope. You have no <laughs> idea what money's going to do over the next thousand it's like <laughs> years. It's barely it's barely viable from decade to decade. Forget about a thousand years from now. Like after 500 years, somebody comes along and be like, "All right, we're gonna up your lease by your uh, your rent by 20 bucks." Hope you enjoy. <laughs> like why? Why are they even renting it? If they're leasing it for a thousand years, why didn't they just buy the building? Yeah, I don't know why you would buy a lease rather than... Just owning it. Because, I mean, you, you, it, the chances of it lasting all thousand years anyway... <laughs> like, if the building's gone, you don't have a place. If you yeah. own the place, you still have the land and you can build a new one. Like, yeah. what's the point of renting? I don't know. Anyway, um... So it provides a place now for an array of activities, including climbing, martial arts, fencing, rowing, table tennis, badminton, netball, indoor football, and indoor cricket. <sighs> so they've really made good use of this space they've leased for a thousand yeah. years. I <laughs> uh, can't wait a thousand years from now when netball is still around. Or, or indoor cricket. I mean, yeah. Let, let alone the fact that outdoor cricket is barely alive. Like, indoor <laughs> cricket, oh, that's going to be big in a thousand yeah. years. I'm telling you, like, forget about virtual reality. Indoor cricket, that's where it's <laughs> going to be at. Um, in 2012, the school took possession of St. Edward's House, which was the last Anglican monastery in London. Located on the corner of Great College Street and Tufton Street, the building now houses Purcells, a boarding house for girls, and a day house for boys. Huh? Uh, <laughs> as well as a small chapel and reflectory. Maybe, maybe Purcell's boarding house for girls and day house for boys are three separate things. That must that, be. Because yeah, I the remember them now mentioning Purcell's and a boarding house for girls and a day house for boys. That would make more sense. I think that's what they're getting at. And I remember makes, seeing Purcell's somewhere else. What is a Purcell's? <laughs> Why do they keep I don't. Need, I didn't know when they mentioned it the first time, but I. I don't know. It's someplace. <laughs> uh, Westminster Hall Under School has also been enlarged by the addition of a building on Douglas Street, which provides an art studio, IT suites, and dining hall. Um. Okay. So. I was incorrect. Hmm? I looked up the last time Purcells was mentioned. And it is a boarding house for girls. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. So it was right the first time. It was it confusing. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, it still is conceptually. Something Not sure. strange. So the girls live there, and then the guys come over during the day, but the, girl, well, the girls are not there. I and then, guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Whatever they need to be in the house. Oh, Aren't they no. supposed to be in school during the day? Don't they have tons of other buildings to use? Don't they have their own boarding buildings? Yeah. They have... like they're not going to live. If they don't board there, then they aren't going to need a house, are yeah. they? They'll just go to school like normal purists. Yeah, that's the thing. Why, what are they doing there during the day? Aren't they supposed to be in school? I don't have. I don't know. I don't have any idea. It's weird. Ugh. 
Oh, man. Okay, let's see here. Oh, okay. We might have a bead on up school. Oh, finally. We went through the entire directional explanation <laughs> of where all the buildings were situated on the campus, and they never once told us about up school. Where's up school? Where are you seeing all this? All right, so under customs. Okay. The grease has been held up school, in parentheses, in the school hall. Well, why didn't you say so, so you pretentious fuck? <laughs> is school hall. They are one and the same. So whatever Grease is, <laughs> is on Shrove Tuesdays since at least 1753. Okay, so they've here's resolved the problem. one term, <laughs> and they gave us two more. The, this is, I feel like British articles are like the show Lost. Yeah. They answer one question that we've had the entire article, and then they bring up five other things that you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, it's the exact same way. And you think you might understand what's going on kind of the entire time. It's presented in your language. It seems like a simple enough concept to grasp, but then they just twist everything. It's like, this is all English. You don't understand. You don't. Yeah. It's like, this is all English. Here, here's a sentence. Like, uh, I, whoa, whoa, whoa! That that sentence. There's something about that sentence that doesn't make a lot of sense. There were some letters you put together that I haven't heard put together like that <laughs> before, and you know, um. So the grease. Okay, so it looks like okay. So the grease is where the head cook ceremoniously tosses a horsehair reinforced pancake Ew. over a high bar, which was used from the 16th century to curtain off the under school from the great school. So, okay. <laughs> so, in prior to. <laughs> Prior to the 1500s, there was a high school and there was a school for the younglings. There was a high school and an elementary yeah. school. Okay, so we got and under. To separate yep. those two things, they took a piece of fabric and they said, "Here, you go over here. You go over here. All right, bye." And then they, 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 they yeah. across the room. They had a that they had was, a literally a curtain. Yep, the curtain off. That was and the separation. So the bar still remains there, but and they there's not a curtain there. There's not a curtain. Because I guess they finally figured out that the lower school is the lower one. The higher <laughs> school is on the higher part. Maybe they figured out all they needed was the bar. They didn't need to curtain it off. Because They're that really like, is... Hey, a- that bar, one side or the other, you know where to go. Yeah, like that, that. that's all they had to do. Or, I don't know, build a few doors. Yeah. <laughs> I... Why, I mean, why a curtain? That seems antiquated maybe even for 1500 Instead of buying a 999-year lease, you spend a couple dollars on a door yeah. <laughs> to separate the hallway. <laughs> what are they doing? I don't get it. I mean, okay, perhaps they've kept the cost on a really good school pretty low and accessible to the public, but still, some of the innovations are surprisingly lacking. Yeah, you got to wonder, how are they sending the highest percentage of people to Oxford and Cambridge when... There's some kind of weird stuff yeah. going on with these the the people who run think, the school. The way know. they think is just very removed from that particular branch of practicality. Yeah. Because not only do they not have a curtain but still have a bar instead of having doors and signs like the normal people, they also have a celebration set up around the fact that a curtain used to be there. <laughs> when have you celebrated a curtain that used to be there? When has anybody celebrated, celebrated <laughs> like, you don't, you, don't, you don't deliberately, like, throw a tomato at a wall where a poster used to hang? Like, like that's not something people do. They don't, and they don't reinforce ceremonial, like, and they don't refer, they don't have decorative pancakes reinforced by horsehair, which is usually used to make violin bows, and then throw that over yeah. the bottom. Like, well, that's just perverse. They're it, just a little crazy, is all this is. It gets even worse. Okay. As does the sentence structure. So, members of the school, after this pancake is thrown, then fight for the pancake for one minute. And this is watched over by the Dean of Westminster Abbey as chairman of the governors, the headmaster, the upper years groups of the school, and distinguished or even occasionally royal visitors. So the queen's coming to watch these kids 
fight for a pancake that was tossed over a bar that used to have a curtain separating the schools. And the best part about this is there's a visual representation of this. <laughs> you can see it here amidst a hall, clearly ancient and historic in origin, plated with various, you know, sigils of houses with men and traditional british like judge attire like yeah, very studious very like, prestigious graduate level stuff here and then there's a mosh pit in the middle of the room yeah where there these like, these kids are fighting over a, a horsehair pancake this picture <laughs> absolutely looks photoshopped like somebody took a picture of like a school ceremony and then just like inserted a mosh pit yeah. from a heavy metal <laughs> because like the graphic tees the dress code just looks so yes yeah, oh yeah they're compared to everybody else dressed up at all no. but i guess when you're fighting for a pancake then you want to be limber yeah. you want to be able to move a little bit i guess <laughs> i feel like this is a little degrading fighting for a pancake that you can't even eat that's just made out of yeah. horse hair and that like Sometimes, you know, you don't have to carry on traditions. Sometimes yeah. traditions aren't good enough to warrant being yeah. carried on. This might be one of those. You might you might want to consider it if anybody from, from yeah. Oxford or rather Westminster is listening. Or Oxford. I mean, Oxford people probably have connections there. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, you just got to wonder, though, if anybody tried to end this tradition, you know there would be a large amount of people who would put up a big fight and a big fuss and it's just like okay <laughs> this is a this, very odd thing that doesn't yeah. need to happen this is yeah it's, it's I don't the fact that people get invited to this like it's it's, it's strange it's real real weird okay alright so this this gets even more weird I, I, don't know why, I don't know why I keep stopping at these senses. Because there's maybe more. Maybe there's so much to unpack. I think we just need to like, digest <laughs> it a little bit, yeah. Uh, so after all of this fight, the pupil who gets the largest weight is awarded a gold sovereign, promptly redeemed for use next year, and the dean begs a half holiday for the whole school. Now, listener... <laughs> We've been with you through this whole article. <laughs> we haven't skipped over a section. We, yeah. Well, we did. But it doesn't mention anything. It's else. notable buildings. So you didn't yeah. miss anything traditions-wise. Yeah. We have been with you the entire time. We've read you the history of the school, everything top to bottom. We don't know what the Golden Sovereign is. <laughs> we don't know why people redeem it. We don't know where the. We don't know where these weights are coming from. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't the thing before, was it? I don't. There's it, a pancake. Not. Yeah. The, <laughs> All it said is that they were fighting for a pancake. That's it all. It said nothing about them having a weight of anything. Yeah, like, and it we're doesn't not talking about, like, waiting around. We're talking about, like, fishing weights. Like, that kind of weight, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. Um, the largest weight. Like, does that mean, like, you rip at the pancake and you grab as much of it as you can? I can't. But at the same time, like, that's even worse how how i don't know how does a pancake even one made of horsehair stay together enough for you to be able to fight over it to the for a whole minute like i feel yeah. like fighting over a pancake is like rip done all right we have our pieces of pancake yeah you know? like, like, that shouldn't take long you should be able to do it civilly but yeah. what's more you wouldn't have to mosh pit around that yeah i mean this could turn into more of like one of those wishbone things where like two people grab each end of the pancake and then rip and then it's like oh i got the bigger piece there you go there you go there you get the golden sovereign whatever that is yeah I, which i guess is desirable <laughs> it sounds fine I guess if you want it, you can get it. Um, then the dean begs a half holiday for the whole school. Which, I mean, the dean's in charge of it. He doesn't have to beg to anybody. He can just say, <laughs> He gets on the I'm mic. The dean. Guys, I'd really, really like to have a half holiday on this on today. I mean... I need to go contemplate you know, how confusing our school <laughs> traditions are. Like we've I do we've all day. had a big day. There's lots of pancakes, <laughs> fighting. It's just something... We all need to go home and just take a breather right now. If you could all just let me have this holiday, that'd be great. But I... so uh, weighing scales are on hand in the event of a dispute. Okay, so they usually go by size by like eyeballing the size of it. 
Yeah, it looks like it. Um, a cook who failed to get the pancake over the bar after three attempts would formerly have been booked or stoned by with Latin primers. What? Although that tradition has long lapsed. Is a Latin primer like a book? Like about basic Latin? Because <laughs> it's not stones then. Stoned with Latin primers. I guess it's just the act of ca- throwing large, heavy objects at somebody. <laughs> Is stoning. So Latin, like it's not Latin primer. I mean, the best I can see is that a Latin primer is focuses primarily on the memorization of vocabulary and noun and verb endings. So I don't so know. So they're dictionaries. So they're Latin. Oh, okay. okay. Small like pocket lap like, and they just Okay, so if the cook could not throw this over the bar right after three tries yes people would literally throw dictionaries at them yes yep okay yeah and that's I mean that's just paragraph one of a five paragraph traditions section <laughs> yeah they, so it's <laughs> There's still many questions we have about that, although we know that they're clearly not going to answer any of them. They are not privy to that sort of thing. They assume that we already know everything that is mentioned. Why even have a Wikipedia article? Why not just assume that everybody knows everything? I guess like (laughs) that would be a better strategy at this point. Legitimately. I don't know what they're thinking. Calling it a half day. (laughs) Calling it a half day. (laughs) Eric, I beg you. As dean, dean of this podcast, I gotta call it. I gotta call it. I've tried three times to get over this pancake, but there's just a bar. There's just a bar preventing me from going forward. Well, you know, in old days we would have thrown the book at you, but thrown every laptop in this room at you. But I guess we can't do that now. Nope. Not anymore. <laughs> Mostly because we're very in debt. We've broken many laptops. <laughs> we still want to do this on a relatively routine basis, so yeah. we, we do need them. <laughs> we really need to stop throwing them at each other. It's not, not very conducive to making a podcast, unfortunately. <sighs> Is that enough traditions or customs... Do you, th- do you think I don't we know can how many more I can really handle? I gotta be honest more. with you. <laughs> right, we got like a one sentence custom. That can't be that bad, right? We we can only hope so. Okay. All right. The privilege of being the first commoners to acclaim each new sovereign at their coronation in Westminster Abbey is reserved for the Queen's or King's scholars. Their shouts of Vivat Regina slash Rex or Long Live the King and Queen are incorporated into the coronation anthem, I Was Glad. The tradition dates back to the coronation of King James II. All right. I don't know. I'm out. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No idea. <laughs> it's something about a sovereign again, but this it's isn't a gold ceremony. one. We don't have to worry about that one. Yeah. Something about a coronation survey, uh, ceremony. Um, yep. They- some kind of kid gets a good thing. <laughs> yep. So, yep, there you have it. From Liverpool Garston by-election 1957 to Westminster School, where things are crazier than the Harry Potter universe. Yep. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, visit facebook.com slash podcast. Give us a like and follow. Head over to iTunes, rate and review us. Um... You can also find new episodes on our website, twc.ericterivia.com. You can follow the articles there as well. Um, yeah. And if you know anything about any of the things that we've been attempting to talk about today, uh, you know, leave us a comment on Facebook. You know, just uh, help us figure this out. But uh, for now, I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Blind Lemon Jefferson for our outro song. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. Oh, weird thing.
there's just only so much British stuff Mama, can handle at one time. Yeah, that was... You can buy that big box set that's uh, Super Bowls 1 through 50. I think so. I bought a cigar too. 